business and your attorney actually answer your, answers your email, is available to you at all times and charges you a flat fee or a membership fee so that they can serve you for all of your needs. Does that sound like some space age futuristic idea? Nope. That's what Andrea Sager Law is all about. Today's episode, Andrea talks about how she has disrupted the business of law and specializes in small business. She's courageous and badass. Here we go. Hey, Andrea, how's it going? Hey, hey, I'm good. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. So I'm so glad that you were willing to jump on and record today. We met in New York City a Gosh, it's been several months ago now. Oh gosh, it feels like just yesterday. <laughs> I know, doesn't it? Especially with the holidays in between there, it's like a yeah. time warp. Yes, gosh, it's been crazy since then. So we met at a conference and had the opportunity to get to know each other a little. And I think this is a great message in and of itself that you can meet someone for just a few minutes, have a connection and continue to do projects and work together if you're courageous enough to reach out and ask and accept, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So I'm excited for you to tell your story today because it is one that I think is going to resonate with many of our listeners. You have started a really unique format or business model out of a really old school traditional industry. Is that yes. a fair way to describe it? That is the, I think that's the best way I've heard it described. Nice. Tell us a little about that story. Yeah. So I created a law firm. Number one, it is completely remote. My, all of my team is spread out across the country. So I'm in Houston. My, I have an associate attorney. He is in Dallas. I have a paralegal that's in Connecticut and everybody works from home in their pajamas with their kid or dog or whatever. Um, and on top of that, we are just very unique in how we do things because I don't believe in the hourly billing model. So we do pretty much all flat fees and we have a membership that essentially provides all access to our team and it's very low cost. You get unlimited emails, you get phone calls, document review, template contracts, and then a discount on any other services. So it's a very unique model that not very many people are doing at all. And we've, we've found great success with it because we work exclusively with small businesses because we know I've been, ai have owned another business and I have been in your shoes, everybody, <laughs> the small business shoes, the bootstrapper, the hustler. And I know exactly what you need. So I know that Billing hourly, which is the archaic lawyer model, is just not feasible anymore. And it's not the not the way I believe things should be done because I don't want to get paid for my time. I want to get paid for the value that I'm providing my clients. And by doing flat fees, 
clients, number one, they know exactly what they're going to be paying. There's no estimate of hours or this. And then it comes out to, you know, you estimate three hours and you spend 10 hours and they're like, what the heck? And of course the attorney can be like, well, it was just an estimate. It wasn't official. And I'm just so over that because I worked at the big firm that I've been there where it was just like, take your time on this, you know? And it's just like, listen, this thing's going to take me 30 minutes. I'm not going to spend three hours on it. I love this. And it was one of the things we connected on immediately because you've taken your gifts and talents and you, you have a passion for law and for protecting these small businesses, but you didn't just follow the habit of the way law has traditionally been done. You said, hold on, if I'm going to serve my customer and me in the best way I know how, I can add value and be relevant in a completely different way. I don't have to follow the habit of how it's always been done. I can do it differently. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly that's exactly how it happened because I was actually in my old business, I had small businesses reach out to me asking for help, trademark help, all that copyright stuff, stuff that small businesses need. And I was like, yeah, for sure, we can help you out. And I would always preface it with, look, we have, you know, higher rates because we're a big firm. And finally, I had some clients who were like, listen, I don't care what the prices are. I just need help. And they knew me and they trusted me. Well, I was trying to bring them into the firm and the firm literally just said, these are not quality clients for us. We don't want them. And in my head, I'm like, listen, they're not, they're not asking for a discount. They're not asking for anything special. They just need legal help. So I knew in this one particular instance, it was just like that defining moment. You always hear about, oh, I had this defining moment. Like that was legitimate. I remember in my head when it was happening, I was like, this is it. Like, this is it for me. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I do not want to be here because they wanted to serve the billion dollar businesses, which I totally get. But I knew that there was a gap between small businesses and quality legal services without breaking the bank. And basically I just told myself like, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I set out to do. And that's what I'm doing now. I love that you remember it as a defining moment. That's awesome. So, so many times it involves slowly and you're like, when was that actual flip of the switch? But you know, when yours (laughs) happened, that's fun. And if we collectively look at the economic engine of the small business, like across the country, it's, it's significant. Do you happen to know? I don't. I didn't do any research on that. I just I know it to be true. Do you happen to know any of that, any of the stats on what the economic impact of small business is? Well, I, I don't know. But as I, because I used to own a retail clothing company. So having that business, it's a pretty good indication of how the economy is doing when knowing how retail is doing. True. Well, most people think retail's dead. There's it's the retail apocalypse. No, it is not the retail apocalypse. The entire consumer industry across the United States is shifting from big box stores to boutiques. They want to do business with people. So I, I, I have seen that firsthand going from big box stores and malls to boutiques. They want to shop, consumers want to shop with people. So I have seen how small businesses are the future. And that's what I personally believed. I, 
I remember sitting in my firm in the office, in my office. And I was thinking, I was like the future because it's, it's a cycle. It's the economic cycle, you know, a hundred years ago, small businesses were it. And then slowly it's like, Oh, these big box stores have claimed America. And now it's going back to small businesses. And that's who I want to be able to help. I love that. And I, I believe it as well. We are craving community and connection and we do want to shop from somebody that we know and we trust. And when we go in, they know who we are. I have a coffee shop down the street from me that I do most of my work in if I'm not in my home office and they know me. And, and if I haven't been there in a couple of weeks, one of the servers will text me and say, are you okay? We haven't seen you in a while. You know, <laughs> and that kind of connection is important because one of the data points that surprised me when I was building my business and the reason that I've really focused on building community is isolation and loneliness is number three under obesity and smoking for health-related issues. And even if we're going to go buy a sweater, it's nice to buy it from somebody we know that we can have a conversation with. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I even have a friend that took that same concept into the hardware industry which is something that you've only seen from big box stores for decades, right? Except for, you know, the old mom and pop stores had largely been swallowed up. And and he recognized this need for community and started it. Actually, it's open 24 hours because he said, you know what? He said, if I'm a community builder and I'm I'm here for my community, I have to be available at all times because people, you know, he's got a lot of third shift workers and people that are working different hours. And so he took that same concept to an industry like you that had never really had a different model to it. And it's really working. So I love that you were courageous. You said, you know what? I don't care how it's been done. This is who I serve. I serve small business. And you said, yep, let's do this thing. Yeah, exactly. And I've loved every minute of it. I've been able to serve so many small businesses. And it's it's actually pretty funny because I will get clients from bigger firms. And they'll come to me and they're like, like, even even though like maybe they have more experience than me, they have a better reputation, but they're like, listen, like I love your social media presence. I love your branding. I want to work with like you, I I feel connected to you and I want to work with you. So I, it's pretty funny how the whole social media stuff is happening, especially, I mean, for me as an attorney, getting clients from social media, like that's obviously not something that has happened historically. So it's, it's pretty funny to see the shift. I love um, finding new ways to work with clients and finding ways that benefit them. And this idea of customer service, community building, the relationship, that's not what you typically think of when you think of, I'm going to go hire an attorney. <laughs> oh, I want the one with the most customer service. And what I love about you is, is you, you have modeled that you don't have to be um, lacking in that to be a really good lawyer. So I think sometimes people have in their head, well, I need somebody that's going to be really suck it to them or whatever that yeah now I sound like I'm a hundred I don't even know but <laughs> but you know that kind of you know I'm gonna go in there and, and fight for my client well you can do that and be an amazing community builder customer service warm friendly beautiful spirit yeah yeah and I I actually have clients who have come to me 
from other attorneys who don't even understand social media. I remember I had an, I have an influencer who had it was getting a trademark and she was like, my attorney doesn't even understand how I make money. And so it's crazy to see the shift from, you know, the older generation of attorneys who have no idea about some of these industries, especially how people are making money online. They literally cannot grasp the concept of an influencer of an online course or anything like that. It's, it's crazy. Oh, I love that you said that because the shift in how we make money is happening faster than the generations can keep up with. And I'm oftentimes coaching and consulting with parents because they're so concerned that their child doesn't really have a specific career plan. I'm like, look, the jobs that they're going to be doing don't even exist yet. Yeah, so if, exactly. you, if you ask them to pick a career and you're going to go spend forty dollars to $100,000 educating them on a career that may not exist in five years, but six more careers that are totally um, based on how they're wired are going to pop up overnight. Like, just make sure they're a good human being. Yeah, that's it. That's that's really all you need to care about. Because if you let your gifts and talents lead you like you've done, there's all kinds of opportunity. Sometimes you just have to go create it like you've done. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, my husband and I, we're both college educated and we both know like we're not forcing our children to go to college. Like we have a 10 month old and a three year old. So obviously we have a long time to go, but still like we've discussed it. Like we don't even want a 529 account because what if neither one of them want to go to college and we're not going to force them to, but they're going to have to do something like they're not going to just be a bum, but we understand after going to college, after seeing, you know, people that don't have a college education, they're still doing just fine. You don't have to be a college educated to be successful. So obviously we want our children to be successful, but we are not pushing them to go to college. If they want to go, perfectly fine. But it, it, I know my parents, I mean, they definitely pushed me to go to college, which is great. I knew I was going to go to college. But I, it's just, I think it's funny just to see the t how so many things shift every yeah. 10, 20, 30 years. And, and even faster now. Now it's yeah. shifting in five to six to seven years. It's, yeah. it's significant. Yeah. Cause now I feel like even if you have a college education, you got to have an MBA. If you want to have a really good job, you've got to have, you know, a college education almost is not, it's not irrelevant, but it, it's harder to get a good paying job with just a bachelor's degree. It's just a weird time to, to be thinking about education. I think because I, I like you, my kids are older, they're 18 and 22, but I've always said you have to have a plan for why you want to go to school, not just go yeah. because it's a rite of passage. Because yeah. the fact of the matter is colleges are businesses. You yeah. know, they want you to spend money on their tuition. So you better know why you're there because it's not up to them to figure that they're not your parents, they're a business and you can utilize their, their business or not, but don't think that they are loving and caring for your student to make sure they get on the path to success. That's not their job. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. So as you were using social media and using other things way out of the traditional model of, of the law industry, 
What are some of the challenges that you've been faced with by doing things differently? Oh man, good question. So as an attorney, we're bound by so many rules and it's unfortunate because a lot of these rules are very, very archaic and you have to be able to find that line, which may not be very clear. So sometimes you're kind of just guessing. Like I, I do Facebook ads and it's like, okay, it, are Facebook ads okay? I had to do research into that. And there's some Facebook ads where it's okay, some it's not. So you have to be very careful with Facebook ads. You have to be very careful with social media, what you're posting, what you're because ultimately you can't have people think that they are in an, in an attorney client relationship with you. And you may think that sounds obvious, but if somebody has been following me on social media and messaging me, you know, my DMS about this question or this question, if they've been following me for two years and they, I've been, you know, answering general questions for two years, they may come and say, Oh yeah, she's been my attorney for two years. No, I have not. And that's why I honestly try not to answer any DMs. Anytime anybody DMs me on Instagram, I say, Hey, what's your email? You know, I'll email you. Um, sometimes clients are just like, no, let's just DM. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> so sliding into your DMs can be a problematic for the, for the law, law industry, as well as all kinds of other things that we don't want to talk about on this podcast. <laughs> 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 yeah. So like Facebook ads, like that's really hard. And one thing that's really been not hurting me, but I want a salesperson. Like I, I, I want to have a salesperson, but I can't, I can't. So as an attorney, you cannot pay a non-attorney commission for sales. Oh, so, I get that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you can pay other attorneys, you know, referral fees, but if I have a salesperson, I have to pay them a straight salary. Hmm. I cannot give them bonuses based on how many people they bring in, how many new clients they bring in. So that honestly, that's the number one thing that is hurting me right now because Be able I, to bring in new business. Yeah. Yeah. And I, cause some days I don't get any legal work done because I'm on phone calls literally all day with potential new clients. Cause I usually what happens is most people <clears throat> they'll email me or they'll message me and like, Hey, can I get trademark information? And I send them the information and then they can book a free 15 minute call to answer just some questions. And some days I'll have 10, 15 calls, 15 of those a day. And so I don't get any legal work done. It's done all at night. So I'm just like, gosh, I love, I would love to just have a salesperson, but at the same time, I want a successful salesperson and it's hard to get a successful salesperson that, you know, doesn't have any motivation based on commission. You know, that's very, very motivating for them. And the two skill sets of the person that would go into law with is different typically than someone that would go into sales. So to find somebody that has both of those styles and personalities is probably a very unique individual. Yeah. Like yourself. Yeah. So <laughs> technically I could have a salesperson that's a licensed attorney. So that's one option. I just haven't been able to find that person. Shout out if anybody's out there. 
Yeah. If you're yeah. a licensed attorney and looking for a sales position, hit me up. <laughs> okay, good. I'd love yeah. it if you found somebody based on the <laughs> podcast. That'd be awesome. Seriously. Yeah. Um, that, that is seriously like my biggest struggle right now is getting, is filling that sales position role. And another, like, so I'm stuck between, okay, do I want a salesperson or do I want somebody with more legal experience than me basically taking over that over that oversight role for legal work. And then me completely fill the sales position because that's what I love to do. Like I love getting out there, connecting with clients, going to conferences. Like that's what I love to do. So it's either filling one of those positions. that's yeah. just tripping me up right now. Well, I get it. I totally get it. What about working with your husband, working from home? Tell us about the, uh, the challenges of that. Yeah. So my husband's a school teacher and he's gone most of the time, <laughs> but we just had Christmas break. And when he is home, it is, I get very, very little work done <laughs> because he's like, entertain me. Hey, look at this. What I just saw on my phone. Hey, let's watch an episode of this. And I'm like, dude, I'm trying to pay the mortgage here. Yeah. <laughs> like I get it. You are off. Like you don't have to do a thing for two weeks or you know, a couple months in the summer right. and it's a struggle. Like that, that's a struggle for me because, and, but I, I'm very strict whenever my husband and my kids are home. So like the moment they get home, I'm done working. Uh, sometimes I'll work after my kids go to sleep, but usually I'm pretty strict with family time because that's, I mean, that's why I'm doing all of this is to be able to spend time with them. So I'm strict with family time, but if my husband's home during the day, it is tough. I totally relate. My I've worked out of a home office for, gosh, almost 30 years now. And it's even when my kids were little and it was just, there are some days that are just chaos. Even today, my my son is, is 21, but he's not feeling well. So he's home today. And I looked at my schedule and like, I'm recording podcast today. You, you're not allowed to talk. You can be home, but I can't, we can't hear you. And he's just laughing, you know, he's used to it now, but you know, it does create its own little unique challenges for anybody that thinks that working from home is bliss. It's yes, not usually the case. <laughs> it really is. And I had my son. So my three-year-old, I had him in my last semester of law school, which was perfect timing. And I was able to keep him home for, we kept him home for a year. I went to work when he was eight months. And then that's when my husband started home and he stayed home for that long. And when I had my daughter last year, I was like, Oh yeah, I'll be able to keep her home. I had her in March. And the goal, I was like, I was going to keep her home until my husband was out of school. And he would basically be the caretaker while he was home for the summer. She lasted at home for seven weeks and I was like, girlfriend, you got to go to daycare. <laughs> I was like, I can't do that. Like I'm actually working. Like I have to get stuff done. And I remember I was on, um, I was on calls and she, I mean, she was right there with me and you know, clients were like, Oh, it's so cute. I'm like, Oh, she's, it's exhausting trying to juggle child right here. And I was, so I didn't, I exclusively pumped for two months and so it's exhausting pumping, putting in the bottle, feeding her, working. And it, it's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. So, yeah. Yeah. She, um, I felt, and I was, 
I had some serious mom guilt there sending her at seven months. And it was just, I felt so bad because I kept my son home for a year. And then at seven weeks, there she goes. And it, that was some serious mom guilt. But I mean, she loves it. They love her there at school. And I mean, it's worked out. It's per- absolutely perfect now. But it was, I don't think there's any person or any mom on this planet that doesn't have a bit of mom guilt for something. It, it, you know, there's always something that's tugging at our heartstrings for sure. Uh-huh. Well, you know, later on they can, you know, when they're in therapy, they can say, well, she kept me for a year. Well, she only kept me for seven <laughs> weeks. You know, that's what I always picture. What's the therapist going to hear about what happened here? I encourage my kids to, I would tell them, you have a therapy fund before you have a college fund. Don't be afraid to use it. Like, I'm just trying right. to figure out this mom thing. I'm sure I'm, I'm messing up a bunch of stuff. So there's therapy for whatatever I screw up. That's a good idea. <laughs> I, I never thought about that. I'm gonna I just was open about it. Yep. I'm going to implement that one. Yeah. It's good stuff. Then, then you've protected yourself, right? I've proactively said, I'm probably screwing this up. So here's the fund to go fix it. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a good one. I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do. They're dropping wisdom today. (laughs) I know. And I, I, so our, we have a, I guess, non-traditional college fund or life fund. So we are buying them both houses. So we, we buy the houses now and then rent them out. So somebody else is paying the mortgage. And then by the time they're 18, I mean, they'll have a couple hundred thousand dollars and they can sell the house, keep renting it out, keep the rental income or whatever they want. So instead it's brilliant. <laughs> so we, yeah, we don't put money in a, uh, any kind of savings account for them. They've, they've both have a house. Oh my gosh. It's too late for me to do that. I'm so <laughs> mad that I didn't know that 18 years ago. It's genius, right? It's genius. I, I heard it on a podcast once and I was like, Wow, that is genius. I'm definitely doing that. Well, not only did you hear it, you did it. Because that's the thing, right? So right. a lot of times we hear great ideas and then we don't implement them. You you said, yep, doing that. Oh yeah. my gosh, I love that. That's going to be spinning in my head all day. I hope that is beneficial to tons of listeners today. Thanks for sharing that. Oh yeah, no problem. I I Because I told my husband, I remember when he was iffy, because I'm, I'm like, the finance, not guru, but guru in the family. Cause I'm always listening to podcasts about different stuff. And I remember hearing that in the podcast and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is what we're doing. And it took him a while, but then I got him listening to the same podcast and he was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like that's, that's awesome. So good. You know, you're not paying it. Somebody else is paying it. So good. Oh my gosh. That's and luckily it's spinning all day. So we're very, lucky because so we were both in the military so we have a VA loan so we don't have to put any money down oh my gosh that's the best case scenario for you guys well and I and while we're on the topic of money what I think is interesting about your story is not only did you disrupt the traditional way that attorney law work gets done you've done it with uh, of your eye on not just serving your clients and being able to be more flexible with your family, it's paying off financially for you as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 And I love when you can model for some, for all of us, that kind of trifecta of things. So one, you said, I'm going to use my unique gifts and talents. I absolutely know this is what I want to do. 
But then two, you said, I can serve my customer better. I can be more valuable and more relevant if I do it differently. But that doesn't mean I'm going to sacrifice being paid well for it. Mm -hmm. So you said, look, I'm still going to make some money. I didn't go to law school and do all that stuff for nothing. I'm going to make some money, (laughs) but I'm not going to go the traditional route because I have skills and value that I can provide specifically for that small business client. And that's a lesson for anybody. If you know who you are and what you're great at, and you then can go take those gifts and talents and serve someone or a market or an industry, that's how you get paid well, is you know who you are and who you serve. Yeah, absolutely. And I like, I'll tell people like, I'm not the cheapest and I don't want to be the cheapest. Like there's trademark attorneys out there who have a lot more experience than me who are cheaper, but you're never going to talk to them on the phone. You're never going to email them. Like you are speaking directly to me. You are working directly with me. And I, yes, I have another attorney with me, but everything that comes into the firm, we're all working on it. So it's not, and you take your reputation seriously. So you're making sure that everything's being done. Well, it's not just the, you know, churn and burn factory model of, of attorney work. Right. Yeah. And that's what some firms do. And I I totally get it. Like that's their model. But for me, like I want to do good work. I want to have a good reputation and I want people to refer me, which has done, it's worked out very well for me. It's like the difference between Walmart and Nordstrom, Right. It's, exactly. you're, you're not the Walmart model. You're not the just come in, get the cheap prices. Nobody's going to talk to you. It's dim lights and a bad experience. You're Nordstrom where you're catering to the service. You're going to make sure that everybody gets what they need and um, it's personal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we also, so <laughs> I really try to just do what I can for small businesses. So I actually offer payment plans of my own for clients for trademarks and a lot of, I've spoken to a lot of attorneys, um, who in Facebook groups, like will bounce around the ideas sometimes. And a lot of attorneys are just like, Oh, it's not worth it for me. Like there's so like, they're not going to pay blah, blah. I'm like, who are y'all working with? Because I, so I've always offered payment plans and I have had one person give me an issue. And it was one of those that was, you know, you have that gut feeling like, Oh, I probably should not take on that matter. And then she actually fired me before I could actually do anything. And it was just one of those like, Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you Lord for protecting me from that. Yes. (laughs) So yeah, I, I, a lot of attorneys I think are just afraid to do anything new and they're afraid to try just stuff that is not normal. Well, you've hit on something that I speak on a lot, which is the fear really is uncertainty. So we call it fear because that's what we're feeling in our gut. But fear is really the the word that you use if there's physical danger, like if there's a tiger in your office or a tornado coming, right? But what you're really experiencing is uncertainty. What's going to happen if I do that? And then you get that like, ugh, I don't know. So we have these beliefs that aren't always truths. So one of them that your other peers have said in the market is, well, it's not worth it for me to offer that kind of payment plan because people don't pay. That's a belief they have that's not necessarily a truth. You've actually proven out it's not true, right? And so it's just that uncertainty that other people couldn't get past um, in order to offer it. But I love how freaking courageous you are. Thank you. Thank you. No, I I love it. I like, I am honestly, like I earlier, like I'm just so passionate about small businesses and making it work for them. Because in my head, 
I don't want the next potential Apple or Google to be held back because of legal services, because oh, the legal stuff. Like that, that makes I, me tear up. <laughs> well, that like, honestly, like that's what I keep in my head. Like these small businesses are literally the future of our economy. And if they can't afford to protect their business, they're going to be out of business. And you don't know if they were the next billion dollar company. Like you just don't know. So why are they going to be held back? Because, you know, everybody's bootstrapping, everybody's starting, you know, starting up and trying to make things work. So be flexible, like help them make it work. God, that's beautiful. And so often someone that's venturing out into an entrepreneurial adventure doesn't have a traditional mindset about a lot of things, right? And so the conversations that they probably have tried to have with traditional lawyers and attorneys has left them feeling uncomfortable and not understood. And you take a completely different mindset on that and say, you know, let me meet you where you are and have the flexibility, but also have the care and the concern and the connection so that they, I'm sure, feel completely appreciated in their ability to be different. Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Oh my gosh. I, that's like, we got to wrap up right here. Cause nothing you say after that is going to be like, that's, that's the quote on the slide. I've already pictured in my head. That's what we're doing. So how can people get in touch with you or follow you or know more about you? Because you work all around the country, right? So you don't have, you know, you're out there on social media. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, definitely. Instagram, Andrea Sager law. And definitely, you know, in the, my bio, there's links to other things, lots of freebies, blogs, all the good stuff on Instagram at Andrea Sager law. And I will put the links in the show notes. So if you are a small business an entrepreneur who's looking for some legal advice, check you out. Thank you for being here. No, thank you for having me. This is awesome. I'm not coming down. I love everything that she is doing. Go follow Andrea. She's an amazing human being. Okay, so are you subscribed to the podcast? And if you're digging it, have you left a review? Just a couple of things to think about because we love both of those things. Okay, so March 5th, we have an event coming up in Indianapolis called Stand Tall in Your Story. And you can see all about it on my website, wethrive.life. Make it a great day. I'm not coming down I never liked it on the ground I'm not